if there's anything I learned through this time, you want to have your team with you. They are the experts. They are the ones doing the work. And it's up to you that they trust you as you lead them through. And they're only going to do that if they know that you care about them. Giddy up, boys. We're back. Mission Driven Podcast. Rich Brubaker, Tom Stater. I'm in Shanghai. Tom Stater's in, currently in Saigon planning his next trip to Bangkok. So jealous, Tom, because I'm locked in my house the last eight days and we got three or four X to go. Today, we're going to talk about the lessons we're learning as leaders through these crises um, to better, I would say, attract, inspire, manage, um, empathize with our teams. Um, and I think there's no better time to do that than right now because both of us are distant from our teams. Um, both of us are having to you know, understand where our teams are and how we can better keep them going in a, in a difficult time. Um, mine a little bit more difficult than Tom's because Tom's team got released a couple months ago. And mine, I have one team member that's in their 35th day of straight lockdown. So that's where we are. Um, Tom, how about a quick update from you, man? How's, how's Saigon? How's that free living going on? Oh, it's great. I was at a Starbucks earlier today, just looking at the sun, relaxing, just had my feet up, did a little emailing. How does that feel? Is that all right? You are other people making your coffee <laughs> no. slightly jealous. Yeah. That, that's really no, all I want. I, um... like, that's the only thing I missed when I was locked down. The previous lockdown was somebody else making like a good coffee. Like I can do Nespresso. I know how to make that, Man. but there's, it's different when it's a latte or a flat white or oatly milk or whatever you want to choose. When you have a selection, it's amazing. But but you have beans, right? You're 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 oh, good, yeah. right? Because if you if you met if you lose beans, if you don't have beans anymore, then then lockdown is violent. We're getting violent brutal at that point. <laughs> it's brutal because then you're like you have to you have to you have to have a conversation with yourself about sanity at that point because oh, like is is it can't get any work done? Is it is it worth going on, you know? Like, or do I just fucking like go crazy and get arrested and thrown in central quarantine so I can get coffee? Yeah, you know, I I, I would say like the only thing, you know, so the first day when they locked us in, we had we have tons of food. Like we have like three, four weeks of fresh food. Um, and I was Great. like, the first day, I was like, because I couldn't just go out and have a hamburger or whatever I want. I'm like, I feel like there's nothing to eat in the house. <laughs> it was really funny. Like yeah. the psychology of getting ready for a lock-in is a total, total Pandora's box, right? You just got, you just got to start to learn to focus on, you know, on, on certain things and avoid a lot of other shit that's happening. Yeah. But, but you're doing well. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about okay. you and a lot of my friends up there in Shanghai. Yeah. You've got food, you're, you're, you're good. You're settled in. So I just used the prison network system to get 20 eggs, uh, traded for pancake mix and two packets of yeast. Um, you know, look, I think there's a couple of things that I would just like to anyone I'm talking to right now about this. Uh, this is definitely China's most severe test period in the last two years. Um, and some would probably argue that the Shanghai experience is far scarier than what was going on in Wuhan in the early days, because the numbers are actually um, higher right now. It's the start of China's transition in many ways for me. So how I'm approaching it personally and professionally is very different than how I did in 20, uh, because it's it's not a two-month problem going away. Yeah, you know, I think that the world is is, is watching. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of empathy for the situation that people are going through in 
Shanghai specifically. Empathy is, I think, the thing that we all need right now. Um, And I think, you know, this is kind of what precipitated this conversation was that just talking about like the general empathy when I'm talking to my team members, it's it's vastly different than 20, where I was like, okay, Mm. are you safe now? What can we get to work on? Now it's like, I have conversations with people, CEOs of companies, CEOs of very large companies who are emotional about the fact that they have to worry about food for their family. One thing that's definitely different right now is everyone that I'm talking to in my team, but also say clients, first conversations, first 10 minutes are, how are you? How much food do you have? How's your family doing? People are genuinely concerned about the well-being of others and are genuinely connecting at a much deeper level this round. You and your teams are in lockdown in Shanghai. Like, how are you and your teams doing? And how are your two organizations doing? Um, Look, my teams, I think mentally overall are good. Uh, They're weathering it pretty well. Uh, It is challenging. I I had one uh, employee tell me she's down to like three or four days of food a couple days ago. And then I had another one tell me, this is my 35th day, right? And I was like, wow. Like, you know, you don't check in that frequently with some of your team members. But then I sent that message out. I was like, wow, I need to connect more. Um, And so I think overall people are okay. If they have Mm -hmm. food, they're more content but they're restless. And I think that they're anxious because they've seen the failures. They've been mired in the rumors. I mean, the rumors going around, Tom, it's insane. The organizations, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I got a couple of weeks before I know where a collective is as an organization. Uh, hands-on is very fortunate. We, we really nailed that two years and the two years before that to make sure that our cash flow was solid. But all of our programs are trashed. Because we can't do face-to-face volunteering. So now the, the, the real conversation around transitioning to the digital and to non-physical forms is, is coming around. Now, fortunately, every community needs volunteers. So I'm starting to think about how can we help them through our software, less so yeah. our physical hardware. So for us, I, I'm actually very, I don't know, appreciative of where we are. I'm actually not freaking out personally. Um, and so we're good for six to nine months, I think, uh, in terms of cash, in terms of projects with a smaller team. Fine. I'm trying to nail down the big businesses that will help me to, you know, just find security, find certainty, find projects, maybe add one more person and then I'll call it done. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I feel for you, man, because it's, uh, I was where you were at a couple months ago, because Xi'an got locked down for two months. My team were locked in there in their apartments. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of me just kind of checking in yeah. um, and just making sure everyone was doing well, making sure that we didn't have to update our policies, making sure that just checking in with them, that, that it was yeah. really that. And, and I kind of made this hard rule that said, we're not going to even think about laying off or changing any sort of HR plan during this because, you know, we got to support the people that are locked in their houses. I'm also looking at the, the situation of, you know, what happens if Shanghai's locked down for six months? Because I mean, that's what I think it's going to need to be. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I worry about, you know, what Shanghai is going to look like if the government stays with a zero COVID policy and what the organization will look like at the back end of it. Takeaways, it's very uncertain times right now. 
And I think protecting your team, as you're saying, like you made sure that your team didn't have to bear the brunt of that. And through the first round, I did the best I could. There, be, there came a time at hands-on I said, look, we're going to reduce salaries, but that's as a function of reducing workload, not to protect cash. Uh, but again, like what I'm seeing is that that insulation, because it's been two years of really stagnation in many ways, um, you don't have that buffer anymore. You're, you're down to having to make hard decisions now. And again, I think <laughs> protect them as much as you can. But then at the yeah. end of the day, um, you're either going to run out of money and unable to pay the benefits to everybody, or you have to make a couple hard decisions to kind of slow that thing down. So what do you do, right? Like, what are the lessons you're learning through this? I think that's the, the important thing that I kind of reflect on more and more, right? And yeah. All right. So, so man, I mean, this sounds quite stressful. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds, are you managing your teams differently? Uh, do you feel also that you're better prepared yeah. um, after living and working under this crisis mode for the past two years? The last two years helped prepare me. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I go back to a lot of our conversations about the fact that we had right. gone through really hard times before and we had planned yeah. our organizations, I would say, pretty damn well to weather a yeah. storm like this. And our first conversations, I mean, I remember our first Zoom calls probably almost two years ago where we said we need 18 months to unwind this. Okay, we were off by a function of 18 months, but that allowed us to be better positioned. Where I'm different now, I would say, is that mentally, I view this as a at least another 18 months. If it goes worst case scenario in China, it's a global wipeout. Like no one's going to escape this. So that's the only difference now. And then how I'm going to plan for what I think will have to be a major real pivot. Like I was allowed two years to basically not pivot. I needed to pivot, but I didn't have to pivot. But now there's no choice. We have to go fully digital. We have to decentralize. We have to change our SOP. Like we have to change everything. If we want to be relevant, the only thing that's really changed is one. Now I don't have a choice and I've basically had to make that mental shift. Now I got to do the work. The knock on to that is how do I structure my organization differently and how do I manage teams differently? Well, actually over the last two years, I have been creating online distributed teams and there have been cyclical project-based often, but now I'm at a position where I think like that learning through that process has allowed me so that when I start getting into the work and I start executing and assuming it starts going well, I'll know how to onboard those resources. And then obviously connecting. Um, I think, again, like I'm leading a lot more with empathy right now with my staff here in Shanghai and there's 11. If I start adding 15 online, I have to find a way to do the exact same connection but through, you know, this camera, I think that'll take a little bit of time. I didn't have to do that last time. Last time I was very much like, this is a project. This is the timeline. Hey, right. It was just, but now I really think like, you know, I have one of my graphic designers, she's in, in uh, Philippines and she got wiped out by the typhoon and then her son got sick. And it was crazy because like she and I have been working together for a few years. It's all been over email. And she kind of like apologized like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. Like loss of power. And I'm like, geez, like, Everyone everywhere is going through something and the lessons around empathy are now universal. And so even when I talk to my friends about getting people back into their office, getting people out of their house, like getting people productive, 
I find that it's the people who are learning this lesson of like, how are you really doing? And your people understanding that you actually mean that question. That's a mm. huge first step in solving that management problem that we're all facing right now, which is how do we, how do we engage our people? How do we make sure they're productive? You know, like, how are we making progress? It's, it's counterintuitive, but it's, it's going to be lead with the individual's need first and then the organizations from there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I hats off to, 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 to everything that you're doing. I mean, I, th I think that what you're doing is incredible, you know, and I think what you're doing, what everyone is doing is, is incredible. I think that there's lessons in there, which is just connecting with your team. Uh, and, and I think if, if people do that, that's, that is the minimum. And, and I think that really does, that will pay off in dividends today. And then also in the future, yeah. because this is going to go away. I mean, this is going to end eventually. Yeah. And it, and, and that, and that time you spent with them will be remembered. Well, not only that, but I think you're just, I think through this, you will become a better leader, founder, manager, if you are paying attention to what's happening and, and adjusting over time. I mean, this has been so long. This is now habitual. This is bare minimum requirement expectation. So if you haven't learned that yet, I mean, I think you're just going to be out of the market. I, I just think like when I see some of my entrepreneur friends who are running low on money and the way they're treating their employees like shit, we need to find efficiency and what value do you create? Like that's the wrong way. Like that might've worked five years ago, but now yeah. it's, it's all different. We're in a little bit different, uh, a different, different position. Um, my team got out of lockdown and I was in your position connecting with them um on a daily basis making sure everyone's all right just providing support yeah. now they're out of lockdown so they're not in their in their apartments they're working in the office they're going to restaurants they're going back and forth to the office they're spending time with family and friends on weekends yeah. they are worried they're looking at shanghai the going oh shit where they, <laughs> where they really don't want to talk about it yeah and so when i bring it up i can i can feel that they can kind of see like the tsunami. It's like the wave is pulling out and they're worried. Yeah. So, so I've really, my approach is a little different on this is that I've really stepped back mm. because I know that I'm going to have to step back in at some point in the near to midterm. Yeah. And so I'm giving them a, a bit of a breather on it. What we are, what we are doing is reviewing budgeting on a weekly basis at this point. And we are uh, really looking at cash flow, and we are trying to be much more intentional about meetings. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, our programs are similar to yours. Like we yeah. can't donate libraries. I wanna bring you back to a couple of things you said. You were kind of talking about how you're right. pulling back. And I'm, I'm curious, yeah. and also about meetings. I'm kind yeah. of of the opinion right now that if you're too, communicative you're not reading the room and you're, you're not helping the anxiety in a sense like how, how do you balance that emotional part of it because i feel like no that's i mean that's really it so as i said before um i think when let's just talk about meetings i added a daily meeting with my country director uh just before lockdown mm. and we kept that going for four months okay and we just last week pulled it back to three meetings a week because I think we're seeing a lot of value in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's also, you know, I want to pull back on it. I want to give her a bit more, more space to, you know, do her job, but I needed her to feel as if yeah. I was there for her. Right. Right. She is 
my team member. Right. Now, everyone else on the team is her team member. So I wanted to make sure that I was providing the needed support for her mm. so that she could support the rest of her team. She right. needed to walk in the front door feeling confident. So like whenever I bring up Shanghai, whenever yeah. I bring up COVID, it isn't just to talk about COVID. Mm. It's there's an intentionality to it. It's, you know, it's bringing it up with regards to fundraising yeah. or with regards to partnership development. It isn't like, oh, hey, did you see that video on WeChat of the guy doing X? Right, right. You know, it isn't, that's, that's not positive. It's, it's kind of focusing the team on where I would like to see them focusing, you know, with regards to Shanghai. That is how I've positioned it. Now, again, they also know how to do this already. So it's yeah. a lot of me saying that I'm just reinforcing what they already know what to do, you know? And, and so I, I am confident that, that China will exit zero COVID. And at that point, I'll be in your position. Well, I'll have to step in and I'll, I'll have more meetings and I will engage more, but, yeah. but I think it's reading the room through this time. If there's anything I've done maybe a little bit better on it's either to read the room or to know when to leave the room. And that's kind of like, you know, a bit of a big thing for me is like, like my team knows what they're doing. I need to ask some questions about how they're, how they're feeling, what's going on with the programs. And then, you know, maybe offer some advice on how to approach it. And then look guys right now, we're in a bit of a luxury position. We'll probably have a few more weeks of this, but when we get out, we really need a transition. And I want you to be, you know, if you, if you're tired of looking at videos of, you know, whatever you're looking at, um, spend some time on this and just think through it. And who would you talk to? Maybe make some phone calls because they're sitting at home and probably wanting some productive phone calls as well. And, you know, and, and taking just a very different approach versus you need to do this. Like, look, you are stressed out. You, you want to, you want a distraction, make work the distraction, find some product. Like this is our time to use all your experience. And actually some of my team members at hands-on as volunteer, you know, professionals, they've started working within their communities as well. And I'm not sure if they're taking the lead. I think they're just happy to volunteer and be there and kind of watch yeah. it all happening. But, you know, at some point you got to put your tools back into service. And I think the idea is just like getting them warmed up to that. And then, you know, as, as a leader, just kind of like accepting, okay, productivity may not need to be number one right now. Um, as long as you got cash and as long as you've got, you're building your, your team cohesion. You're, you're going to pick up productivity again very soon after this is over or even in the middle. And, and that's what you really need to be focused on and focus on them first. Yeah. Okay, so you're learning to manage a crisis better. But are there things that you are taking away from this that you could be applying to be a better manager or leader later on? Well, I do think that being more empathetic and individually driven when I'm talking with my team or even hiring new people will be something I carry forward. Uh, I think that that's something I've really got a real, I've got a handle on over the last two weeks in a way that I didn't before. Like I, I was halfway there and with some people I was all the way there, but I recognize I need to be a lot more there. Uh, and I'm getting better at learning how to do that. Uh, reading the room, uh, knowing when to send a WeChat message or a little SMS or, you know, like just, touch base, but also make sure like when I do that, I'm not like, Hey, how you doing? 
how's the project? You know, like right away, it's like for the future, how do you build and structure teams? How do you incentivize teams? And, you know, I've talked to my wife about this, actually. She has this really good opinion around millennials and how hard it is, you know, to manage them. Well, you know, some of the things that we're talking about exactly right now, she's about five years ago, and that was nouveau, holy crap, mystic level HR management that she just saw that, you know, a lot of these people are leaving because they want to travel and experience something or learn something. They don't have to go to the next job. Well, how do you manage that person differently? They're not worried about quitting and being without a job. They want the experience. So, hey, give them, after two years, give them a week off. Go take a week. Go travel. Go do a yoga retreat. Go do that thing that you would have quit for, which is such a small thing, by the way, to quit for, but they were still going to quit for. And, Mm. you know, incorporate those practices. And Again, I, I do think that this will result in slower growth organizations for those that take this on because there's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of remembering whose birthdays and which family member is sick and who has, you know, family, like you have to, and you have to balance those things. So I don't know. I mean, you went through this, like what, in reality, what habits did you even keep? Um, because you probably made a few changes, but then, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to lean back on this one because, you know, that was a crisis thing to do. And now we're out of crisis. Like, was there anything that you, you did? And then like, I'm going to keep this going like a workout regime and then pulled back. I don't get directly involved in the creation of policies as much anymore. It's really our team is creating the policy as an example. Like I created the framework of it and then they then took it and yeah, deleted 80% of it and then, and then rewrote it to be something that they feel comfortable with that they feel supports them. And yeah, there was a lot in there that I was like, this is not what I would do. Right, right, right. (laughs) But, but they feel comfortable with it. It's, and, and so, and so I think that for me, just regarding HR and policies, I'm going to, communicate where my red line is like these are the things that 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 we need to keep yeah but then giving a lot more room Mm. for 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 our team to create their own policies and i think that the younger generations they want that yeah so i'm that's just one example of something that i i'm i'm definitely going to do going forward I, i think to do that effectively though you need agreed upon principles in advance as well Right. So that's the red line I was talking about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like, if, like everyone's got to come to work. <laughs> yeah. Like what is work? Like, can we define work? <laughs> you know, like, can we define? Yeah. Home? I mean, you know, you like, no, know, it's interesting you say about that. Like I, I talk uh, that, that, that you said that because there's a lot of talk right now about, um, about work from home. Yeah. All right. We need to ask ourselves at the library project, is that who we want to be? Is that the kind of organization we want to aspire to be? And, and I say, no, yeah. we want to be working together yeah. in an office with each other. Now, oh, we also cool. have people who need um, a flexible work environment. Yeah. Say, as, as an example, half of our team are mothers. Yeah. And so we need to have a, an HR policy that allows them to be able to balance their lives and also make up that time that they might need to dig in 
to the, Absolutely. you know, they're like, yeah. to leave a little early. And, and yeah. so, and to be realistic about well, it. Well, my hands-on team for two years has been work from home entirely, but they are allowed, we have, we have office space for them and hot dusking arrangements and they go in as needed. Yeah. They have meetings yeah. together, but they've, they found a balance. And I won't say that I'm exactly happy or unhappy with the balance. Would I wish it were different? Probably. But again, I'm actually learning not to be so focused on that. I'm looking at, is it productive for them? Uh, for Collective, I had one team member, and she was kind of the, the main caregiver for the family, and she required a lot of time off. And I'm like, look, I can, I can give you so much. And it got to be too much, and we had to have a conversation around that. And it, because we operate in cities, we all of our staff, they're going to struggle with balancing family, because especially in Asia... China specifically, uh, you know, the, the, the pressure on families to balance more than they can is there. And what that means is the people in the middle will have to pay more, pay more tax, pay more for food, pay more of the bills, but they'll also be expected to do more support on both ends. So how can I, as a leader, not listen to that as a, as a constraint by which I learn to lead and manage my team? I think this crisis gives me a lot of practical application that I can learn from to get to that point in the future. I think like I've learned more valuable lessons now than I would have otherwise that will allow me to traverse that later. So I'm okay with that. So let's get in the weeds a bit um, and talk about HR policies. Uh, have you had to update or review your HR policies because of the recent lockdown? No. Or are those processes largely okay, but you are learning to apply them a little differently? I don't view this as a problem of policies. I do think that like what you're talking about when it came to framework, yes, your framework shifts a little bit and how vigilant you are about the policy may shift a little bit. But mm. I think we learned over the last two years and made some adjustments around families, around obligations, around the needs of our people and kind of play with that a little bit, but it wasn't major tweaks. It's just, yeah, learning how to apply them. And again, aligning on values first. If you do that, you don't need to align your policies that much. Now, whenever there is a change in Xi'an or somewhere in China that impacts our organization or, our, or my team, yeah, uh, I will say to my country director, can you review our COVID HR policy mm. just to make sure it is still relevant? Right, right. And, right. you know, and she spends five minutes reading through most of the time and says, yep, this is good. But every yeah. one, like a couple of times ago, she realized, okay, we're going back to the office. We need to, we need to change a couple of things. So she added yeah. an extra paragraph in there and then and then implemented it, yeah. but, and then communicated it to the team. Which leads me to Tom, what are the three things that you've learned or improved as a leader through this time? All right. I, I would say that it's, it's really about empathize with our team, ask them questions, ask them, how are they doing? Um, yeah. Where are they in the, in the crisis? Yeah. Because where we are, or, or I guess where I am and where they are um, might be different. The next thing I would say is, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm a much more policy-driven individual. Pre-COVID, I was not a policy-driven person. If you would have asked me, does your organization have policies? I would have said, 
ask my country director, she'll tell you the answer to that. Yeah. Now, now I, now I know the policies because, yeah. because, you know, COVID has, has changed me in that sense. Mm. And, and the last thing I would say is I've, I was pretty hands-off before I led with empowerment. Um, now I've got extreme empowerment, extreme, extreme empowerment, where I really have stepped back and allowed my team to make a lot of those larger, larger decisions. Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be first one is people over policy. Um, okay. You know, just how are they doing? How can I support you? And then get into the work once once we've warmed up a bit. Um, and be a little bit, understand that you might not be driving production at peak, but that you're looking at this for yep. the long term. I think the second thing is learning how to communicate very differently, changing the frequency, changing the cadence, changing the tone, reducing the fire on some things, knowing that, again, you're thinking about this longer term. Uh, and the last thing, if there's anything I learned through this time, I got to pivot the organization as much as I got to pivot my HR style. So. You want to have your team with you. They are the experts. They are the ones doing the work. And it's up to you that they trust you as you lead them through. And they're only going to do that if they know that you care about them. 